This podcast is made possible by Lily. Welcome to the BreastCancer.org podcast, the podcast that brings you the latest information on breast cancer research, treatments, side effects, and survivorship issues through expert interviews, as well as personal stories from people affected by breast cancer. Here's your host, BreastCancer.org Senior Editor, Jamie DiPolo. Hello, thanks for listening. Dr. Naoto Weno is Professor of Breast Medical Oncology at the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center. At the European Society for Medical Oncology Congress 2022, Dr. Weno presented patient-reported outcomes from the Destiny Breast 04 study, which found that compared to doctor's choice of chemotherapy, and HER2 improved both progression-free survival and overall survival in people diagnosed with previously treated metastatic HER2 low breast cancer. Dr. Weno, welcome to the podcast. Great. Thank you very much. really appreciate having this opportunity to speak with you. So just so everyone is kind of on the same page, could you summarize the results from the Destiny Breast 04 study for us? They, I believe they were presented at ASCO back in June. Right. So uh, Destiny Breast 04 study basically targets what we call the low HER2 positive disease in a metastatic uh, settings. It was a randomized study between uh, trastuzumab drxtcan, we commonly abbreviate this as TDXD, comparing to physician choice uh, treatment. The primary endpoint was progression-free survival, meaning that how fast does the disease progress? And then we also looked in as a secondary uh, overall survival, and we also looked into patient-reported outcome, which is a reflection of how what's the perspective of the patient. The study basically uh, showed, um, and it was presented by Dr. Modi in uh, last ASCO, that TDXD uh, had a progression-free survival of 8.2 months, comparing to physician choice of 3.5 months which is consistent with uh, chemotherapy, and also it improved the overall survival. So um, it, it was recently approved by FDA in the United States for using uh, TDXD commercial name in HER2 for low HER2 positive metastatic breast cancer. Thank you. Now, I have to ask you, as an oncologist, um, mm-hmm. these results seemed pretty big. I know Dr. Modi got a 40-second standing ovation when she presented the results at ASCO. So to you, as somebody treating people with breast cancer, how big are these results? I mean, they sound like they are going to definitely change practice. Absolutely. Uh, actually, I didn't know it was 42 seconds. It, was, it <laughs> felt very long, but <laughs> so I, I learned something today. Sure. So uh, it's really exciting because uh, low HER2 positive means that there's two categories. One is uh, people who are homoreceptor positive. So they are receiving endocrine therapy. The other category, as you know, is triple negative breast cancer, dominantly treated by uh, chemotherapy. 
So this uh, in her too, this TDXD is really um, enriching the chemotherapy to the cancer, and it has a fairly strong response rate and with a very long uh, disease control. So uh, comparing to the regular chemotherapy, it seems to be uh, really effective. So it really opens up a completely new choices for patient who didn't have an opportunity to receive this treatment because originally this treatment was indicated for high HER2 positive disease. So it is a, a paradigm shift of bringing in uh, targeted chemotherapy into this uh, uh, type of patients. Okay, thanks. Now, in this latest analysis that you presented at ESMO, you were looking mm -hmm. at the quality of life of people who were receiving NHER2 compared to people receiving chemotherapy. So how did you assess quality of life? And could you summarize the results for us, please? So we assess the patient reported outcome, which you just talked about quality of life by using a questionnaire. And there were three different types of questionnaire. And I'm not going to go name them, but um, these are validated questionnaires that's been used for a long time for other studies that uh, we know that it does reflect what the patient is feeling. So we use this questionnaire during the course of uh, the treatment for both treatment, the uh, INHER2 versus uh, physician choices uh, treatment, which is a chemotherapy. And we looked into uh, basically how the patient did. So what I could tell you from simply summarizing this study is the INHER2 treatment de delays the deterioration of quality of life, which means that when the treatment is working very well, patient could maintain a reasonable quality of life, much better comparing to people who's uh, receiving uh, regular chemotherapy. And so that's where the excitement is because um, we know that this treatment is effective. We know that it's safe. And the question is, does the patient feel the same way based on the good efficacy and safety? And we have shown that uh, it does help the patient to maintain a reasonable quality of life by receiving this treatment compared to standard chemotherapy. Okay. And that's that sounds very promising and very exciting result. What were the most troubling side effects in each treatment group? Were the side effects similar or does INHER2 cause different side effects than chemotherapy? INHER2 has definitely more nausea and vomiting, or basically what I'm trying to say is uh, anything related gastrointestinal side effect, it's a little bit more prominent than the others. And also it does cause fatigue. So when we look into the subset of symptoms, uh, fatigue was no difference between the two treatment. But when you look at the nausea and vomiting, the first several cycles, 
there was a clinical significant um, prominent more nausea and vomiting in the incurred two side comparing to regular chemotherapy, but it really didn't further deteriorate. It's really stabilized later on. So statistically, there was no difference between the, the two treatment. But going back to your first question, there is a more GI toxicity uh, in this uh, treatment. Now, this study didn't reflect this, but the other uniqueness of this treatment is it's rare, but it could cause inflammation of the lung called pneumonitis. And um, if you let this go, people could die from uh, this pneumonitis. So, but that's very small. So generally it doesn't reflect in the quality of life very much. Okay, and that's something that doctors are aware of and can monitor patients for and let patients know if you do start to have a cough or anything like that, you need to contact your doctor. Correct. So it's important to uh, let the, the physician know if you have shortness of breath, fever, and cough. Early detection uh, prevents from uh, major deterioration. So it's it's not common, but it is something that we take it very seriously. Sure. And going back to the nausea and vomiting, if that's a known side effect of her 2 is that something that uh, somebody could take medicine for preventively before the nausea and vomiting even start? That, that is correct. So her 2 is considered as uh, moderate nauseating. So they will take a preventive measure and your physician should know uh, about how to prevent the nausea. Yes. Okay. Okay. And I just want to confirm, I think I know this, but these side effects that you mentioned, the nausea and vomiting, especially that that's a known side effect of her 2 You didn't see any new side effects in this study. No, and we did not see anything new. It is a known side effect. Okay. And then finally, to wrap up, if you could kind of put in context for us, what do you think, like the results from, you know, the, the first results from Destiny Breast 04 and now your results on the quality of life, what do these mean for someone who's been diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer? So I, I think if I go in more details, what does this mean is I mentioned is the quality of life is maintained. And this presentation I did talk about also subset of symptoms uh, related to the survey we did. So from the pain, physical functioning, emotional functioning, social functioning, fatigue, everything, it did favor the incur to comparing to the regular chemotherapy. So you could see that when I talk about the subset data, it gives you a sense that the patient generally did well, much better comparing to chemotherapy. And, and because of um, INHER2 has a much longer prolonged disease control, that prolonged disease control is also reflecting to the daily activity of the patients you could live with a much more better day, daily life goes on with uh, INCUR2 comparing to getting chemo, uh, known chemo 
Okay. So I guess if I could sort of paraphrase you just to make sure I understand, it sounds like somebody who's getting in her to, they're better able to kind of get back to life sort of as normal compared to somebody who's on chemo. Right. I wouldn't say it may be normal, but, okay. um, could, you know, much more closer to normal comparing to uh, the chemotherapy that you, you know. Yeah. Okay. And in this case, the, the choice of the chemo was like a Zeloda or Halibin or Gemzar or Taxol, you know, the one that everybody knows. And, sure. Um, and they, they are also effective, but it's just that it did favor in her too in this study. Okay. Okay. Well, this sounds very promising. Dr. Weno, thank you so much for sharing your results with us. I really appreciate it. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the breastcancer.org podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. To share your thoughts about this or any episode, email us at podcast at breastcancer.org or leave feedback on the podcast episode landing page on our website. And remember, you can find a lot more information about breast cancer at breastcancer.org. And you can connect with thousands of people affected by breast cancer by joining our online community.